is July of 2023, and we are back with season two of Med Student Over Easy. After a great first season with amazing guests and some great feedback from our listeners, we are back with killer up-to-date topics about what is pertinent to medical students. And to kick it off, our first conversation is with our blog editor, Patricia Capone, and my three co-hosts, Drew, John, and Tanner, for a conversation, frankly, I wish I was a part of. But here it is, episode one of season two of Med Student Over Easy cocky versus confident. Hey, Med Student Over Easy listeners. This is Patricia, and I'm joined today by Tanner. Hello. John. Hello. Andrew. Hi. The gang's all here, and we are going to talk about today the difference between a med student who comes in cocky versus confident. What are your initial thoughts? That was it. Ugh. Oh. Ugh. That's all we got. Let's recognize first that being a medical student, particularly a fourth year auditioning medical student, but any medical student on rotations is a this is a tough thing to do. You know, every four weeks or every month you're changing rotations, so you have a new preceptor, oftentimes a new specialty, you're thrown into a mix of something that maybe you've studied a lot or a little for, maybe you're really excited about, maybe you're not excited about, and you want to prove yourself, prove your worth, both to yourself and your preceptor, but how you do that appropriately is is really the the difference between cocky and confident, and confidence is a hard thing to have as a medical student. In, in a lot of ways, I think a lot of people would say you shouldn't have any confidence as a medical student, but that's not fair and that's not accurate, but oftentimes that gets portrayed. So I just want to clear the air and say, first off, I think we all recognize how difficult this situation is. It's true. The The other thing is there's at least two people always in this equation. It's the, it's the person, the student, and then it's the receiver, so whoever is making that judgment. and. Part of the reason that I ugged earlier was because this is something that I actually, and when I go back into my medical student days and even my intern in early residency, this was something that I became a victim of because I came into emergency medicine with a background as a paramedic, as everybody knows. And so I was very comfortable in situations that most residents were not. I actually was confident. I had no doubt in my ability to effectively manage the initial stages of a resuscitation until somebody else could get there. So I I was confident. But there were also attendings that had never seen someone that had that background. And so if they didn't know that background or we didn't talk about it, I can easily see how I would have come across as cocky when I was just actually very comfortable in, in the skills. But there, knowing now what I know versus what I knew then, there were better ways that I could have played it and changed it. So, but, but recognizing that there are two people in the equation, there's the receiver as well as the transmitter. Yeah, so when you have a student that comes in and they might come in a little, little too confident or a little too cocky, or how do you... What advice do you have for students as they approach their learning and and what are the things that you find students do well versus not so well? What are the common pitfalls or maybe even things that you guys have done in the past as students, residents that Yeah. Quick clarifier. There's a big difference between too confident and too cocky, or is it? 
Yeah. That's a tough, I mean, that's a tough one, right? Yeah. I think you kind of hit it on the head in terms of what, like the, the general, my general advice would be is I think a lot of this comes down to communication. If you are open and talking about whether it's your past experience and knowledge base or, or something, your emotional state or whatever it is, like that's going to help people interpret what you are actually trying to convey, whether it's confidence or cockiness and, and being with that. And I think also being self-aware of kind of that emotional intelligence part. I am someone who is typically more shy and not going to be forthcoming. So for me to show confidence, I'm going to have to talk more and be more engaged because it's going to be easy for me to fade into like just trying to be a shadow and not do anything over the front or, you know, too outrageous. And so for me, I need to be more assertive and a little more thing because that's going to come across better. But other people, if you're very like boisterous or, you know, if you're a type D on the disc assessment, like coming across, like talking the way you do all the time, maybe too much. And you need to maybe just say, okay, I need to maybe only comment every so often as opposed to every single thing. And it's just trying to be that self-aware of like who you are and what your strengths are and also realizing how that can maybe balance out in front of other people. Yeah. And I think your social awareness, social intelligence is so important beyond knowing what type you are. So you can try to be a little bit middle ground while still maintaining your personality because your personality is important. But then there's two other parts of this, which is you have to be humble, particularly as a learner. Although I will say that being humble later in life goes a long way also for those of us that are attendings and have had to eat a little bit of, you know, eat our words and, and take it in the face a little bit. Being humble goes a long way. And then being receptive. All right. So I think the difference between cocky and confident often, the difference between cocky and confident oftentimes in my mind resides in a little bit of being humble, but a lot of how receptive you are to the moment, to the education. And sometimes the learner, and I can remember being in this situation, already knows the answer, but a cocky person lets the teacher know that they know the answer before the opportunity to answer is there, where the humble person who is confident and can answer it accurately lets the teacher get out what they want to say and then engages in the conversation with the ability to show that they actually understand the material already, as opposed to cutting it off and not being receptive to the learning moment. Because so oftentimes in that learning moment, even if you know the answer, there's something that you can learn from it already. And and then that's the cockiness. The confidence is so hard because there is certainly an overconfidence component to a lot of things that we do. And so how do you ride that line? That's a lot harder. A lot of times that's what I tell when I have learners, which like we ha- I don't have very often, but when I do, I say, my job is to find out where your knowledge level is and then take you one step further. And so I'm going to ask you questions to find out where your, your level is. And that conversation that you just explained of letting me get to that point and figuring out where you're at helps me have confidence that I know where you're at. And you also come across confident because I now, oh, okay, now we've had a conversation about things. It's not you jumping in and being like, oh, I know this already. Let's go to the, I want to, I want the, the, you know, fourth year resident level question right now. It's like, no, that's not where we're at. We're at med student level. We're at first year intern, you know, level type. Plus stuff. it's just so fun sometimes to take a learner down the rabbit hole that they're taking them. <laughs> to find the moment of Let their, them go. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, you just know you're like, you're doing so great and your confidence is building so much, but I know that I'm going to find the brick wall <laughs> that is going to stop you in your tracks 
Not that Patricia's ever been down that road with me ever, <laughs> ever before, or John. Never, Ew, never. never, ever. So, so one of the other things I, I, I don't know where this fits in, but I, I think it's worthwhile bringing up, and I, I can remember this moment really clearly. I was doing a rotation right around match time as a fourth year medical student, and I was in an, an allopathic university institution, and. It was interesting. I realized really quickly that their hands-on teaching, the the medical students that are in these institutions, their hands-on learning, their hands-on teaching oftentimes is not actually as robust as it is as an osteopathic student, just because the volume of learners they have coming through and, and some of the rigid structure that goes along with it. And so I was in this critical care rotation and all the learners, the students and the, and the intern residents went to the sim lab to do procedures. And I kind of lurked in the background because they were doing central lines and something else. And I'd actually done a bunch of them as a learner. And I, and I thought I was being good. I don't know what good actually means in this situation, but allowing the other people that clearly had not had as much practice in this to to do it. And then got the feedback afterwards that I was came across as really cocky and and almost like disengaged. Disengaged and too good to be there because I didn't want to do it. And it isn't that I didn't want to do the procedures. I I would have been happy and I love doing procedures. I wanted to make sure the other learners had the opportunity to do it. But I did a really, really poor job in communicating why I was standing back. Or to be honest, probably what I should have done is just maybe been in the back of the line, but still made sure I did it and, and looked really engaged. And so I, despite me having the best interests as a learner for the other learners I was around, if, if this was an audition rotation or, or somebody that could influence where I was going to match or, or a grade or something like that, fortunately it didn't, that could have been a really negative encounter. Yeah. I had one experience that actually sticks out where I straddled the confident cocky line appropriately and it worked. And that was a really good learning experience for me. It was intern year. I was rounding with the medicine team on the floor and there was a rapid response call and there was a patient that was in respiratory failure and they were morbidly obese and had had some type of surgery on their head and neck. So they were bleeding into their airway and this was, they weren't going to be BiPAP eligible or anything. And there was a third year EM resident that was in and a couple of other people and they tried to intubate and couldn't. And they were calling anesthesia, but anesthesia was like, I guess, like right in the middle, like actually in the middle of doing something there. They were like, we will come, but it's going to be a minute. And I, I actually was just like, Hey guys, do you mind if I take a look and I was able to intubate the patient because I'd had experience intubating people that were morbidly obese with less than optimal airways. And when we left the room, I stopped and I was like, wait a minute, this might, this might land wrong. And so when the, when the third year came out, I actually said, Hey, can I talk to you for just a second? I was like, Hey, you know, you were doing everything right. And I just don't want you to think I was trying to show you up. I just have a lot of experience with that. I said, you teach me so many things. This is just one thing that I happen to be really okay and comfortable with. And he was like, well, thanks for that. I'm really glad you got them, you know, intubated. And I'm glad I did that because at the next didactic session, when I walked in, a lot of the seniors were like, oh, here you went to the floor and tried to show up a third year. And the third year actually came in and immediately came to the defense. It was like, actually, guys. And so it was really interesting because what I thought was going to happen happened. But also the very fact that I had taken the time to explain 
what was going on and to be honest about the situation really changed the outcome. And I really wonder what it would have felt like if he hadn't come to my defense. You know, I don't know how I would have navigated that nicely, right? Because then you're in a point where how do you come back from that? You know, so it was really, it was, it was just a great example of how you can kind of do the right thing. And I do think it's interesting if there is this level of, you want a student to be confident, but there's this razor thin wire between confident and seeming to be overconfident. And I think part of that is the way we have our education set up. And I really like Tanner's approach of, each student trying to get a flavor beforehand of where they're at and where they want to be. I think it's so important. And I can see how we're at like a bigger institution that that might not even be possible. If you've got 16 students rotating at once and you're going to be with them for eight hours, like I don't, it would be really hard. I think it's doable, but it would be next to impossible to do it efficiently. And then you have to base everybody against just norms. And that, that could be rough for any med student. I think a, a really easy way to kind of balance that line between cocky and confident is instead of making statements, ask questions. Because most of these kind of conversations that you're going to have, they can you can you can say something, but in, in a question form, and that's going to land a lot softer than a statement of like I know this. And if you're in that learner scenario and you're feeling like you might be one of those strong personalities or you're coming across maybe in the wrong fashion, switching that, that statement to a question will allow you to engage in conversation, but still get across that you are intelligent and wanting to be engaged with what's going on. I feel like that's an easy way to just kind of sneak in like that difference between that razor thin line of cocky and confident. Well, and it's, it's how you get to the next level. It's how you get to the next level of learning. Also, I mean, say you're talking about, you know, pressers and somebody says, Hey, you know, what presser would you use in this situation? And the first answer is, well, I think, you know, norepinephrine is the, the presser that I've seen used. And that's the one I would choose. And, and I kind of understand why that works, but why wouldn't these other vasopressors work in this situation or why aren't they also the first line? And, and so you're showing that, you know, knowledge, but then you have a limit. And, you know, to be fair, sometimes as the learner, you actually have to play a little bit dumb. Number one, to get more education, but then also to to show that you're engaged and you want to learn, even if maybe you do know the answer to the question you're asking. Now, I, I say that with some trepidation because what you don't want to do is do things to make yourself look like you're a genius, like to ask kind of dumb questions just so that you can then answer them because that that will backfire and we'll figure that out really quickly. But it is okay to to ask questions that maybe aren't that maybe you know some but not all the answers. Yeah, and actually there's a great term for that and it's actually asking questions to challenge your own assumptions. Right? So I've only seen levofed used in resuscitations, Dr. Kalnow. I don't I don't actually know if I know of a time when dopamine might be better. Like, do you have any thoughts on it or, you know, yeah. is don't, there somewhere don't I can ever say the word dopamine again, but dopamine is something we can certainly talk dopamine about. Dopamine is, is the, <laughs> but, but I heard that dopamine is great if the patient's bradycardic and you want some tachyphylaxis. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. See, <laughs> so like, you know, it is, but, but there are ways and we, we, we are treating a little bit differently because it's med students in some way, but we do this all the time with patients. When, when you go into a room and see that the patient has all of their bags packed beside their bed and you, you ask, you know, do you feel like you need to be admitted into the hospital? 
you, you know the answer when you <laughs> ask the question, right? But what we're doing is we're asking the question to challenge our basis because we're hoping that this is the one patient that simply stopped on, the way, on their way to their new house with all of their luggage as opposed to planning to come to make your house their house. But also engaging the other person into the conversation and the environment, which is important as the learner. You want to engage your your teacher just as as a as a educator. We want to engage our learners. It works both ways. So, would you say that the difference between a cocky med student and a confident med student would be their teachability, or is that a different topic entirely? I think that it is part of it, right? But the. Problem, the problem with this and doing this in a podcast form is there are so many intangibles that we can't get out via just voice, right? So it's how you carry yourself. It's, it's how you lean in versus don't lean in. It's, there's so many dynamics because we make assumptions, right? Everybody makes assumptions. You look at somebody and I see Tanner kind of slinking away into the corner and not wanting to do this procedure. And my assumption is that he is disengaged and he's shy and he he doesn't actually know what he's doing and therefore he doesn't want to step up to the plate. And that might be completely not the case. Actually, he could be cocky, but trying to figure out how not to be cocky because he's gotten some feedback that he's he's over sort of an over-engaged and now he's over-corrected, but we've never engaged before because now it's a new rotation and a different service. Right? So there's so many problems with this and we're just, it's the iceberg. I I love that, Drew. And the reason is partly, I you know, I'm very much into the psychology of body language. And it is so much information that is communicated by how the person looks and acts. And there are, for good or bad, there are societal norms around those things. And so if you are a medical student, you find yourself repeatedly getting the same feedback that you're overconfident and underconfident. Most people, when they get feedback of any type, the first thing they look to is what they said. And that actually is usually not the most important part. If you ask people, a lot of times you hear that it's not what you said, it's how you said it. Perhaps some people have had that said to them in a relationship previously. If that happens, that's really, it's really important feedback. And that's what, if you're looking for specific feedback to help you get better, that's actually one of the things to ask. And I will tell you that there are definitely intangibles that Drew is speaking about that are so important. If you are a physically smaller person and you have a softer voice, you will probably get feedback at some point that you're not being assertive enough in a resuscitation bay. If you're a big boy with a big booming voice and you start directing things, you may get told you're too loud. You're too domineering. People don't feel safe or comfortable around you. Those, those things are real and actually have nothing to do with the content of what you're saying. You, you're saying the exact same things. I mean, why in part do I stand on a stool during resuscitations? It's because you're short. Exactly. I was going to say it's because you were a pigeon. But, <laughs> but it, it puts me, it, it serves me, which yes. is that I have a better view of the resuscitation. But also truly in this situation, because I am short, thank you, puts me on a pedestal where it becomes clear that when I speak, when I say, I am the one that is controlling the room. 
as opposed to wh- wh- where is this voice coming from amongst the crowd of people taller that we can't see? <laughs> Trisha, you will have the same issue for your entire life. I'm, I'm sorry I'm, to say. I'm picturing you shorter than you actually are trying to like yell to people that like the nursing staff that's doing something in the code. It, like... <laughs> And it, there are, you know, there are really cultural implications around it. There are there are cultures where being loud and and speaking, you know, in certain ways is really, and so so talk about those things and and ask for guidance early on. And it's an area that you have to continually focus on, but it 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 definitely can be done. And I will tell you, if a student approaches me. At the beginning of a rotation, it says, I've been told that I'm too confident or I lack confidence. And it's something that I'm working on and I really would appreciate your help. Oh, my gosh. I will bend over backwards to do whatever I can. And when I see the behavior happening, I don't just jump into this place of, wow, they're really overconfident. Wow, they're really lacking confidence. I have some frame of reference. I mean, that, that's, that's a fantastic advice for almost any topic with a learner. If you start off a rotation with, here's what I, I know one of my issues are, and I'm trying to work on it. So if you see anything, please help me. I, have, I instantly love you as a learner, and I want to be around you more. Like, that's fantastic. I don't know where you wanted to take this, but I have one more question I'd like to throw out there. All right. So let's, let's, to me, we got to take this to the finish, which is you've been labeled, right? Overconfident, cocky. Tanner and John will remember this. This was not when I was a medical student, but actually as a as a senior resident, co-chief with Tanner way back in the day. And I went into a bit of a tailspin. So I got feedback on one of our 360 evaluations. The alliterative C's, as John so so famously labeled them after I received it, which is I was cocky, condescended, and condescending. Sorry, cocky, conceited, and condescending. Now, for those of you that actually know me, I don't think that that truly embodies who I am. I have come to understand sometimes why that is the perception from others. But man, what do you when you get that feedback? I mean that that is that is a gut punch. How do you recover? I, I mean, this is this is social emotional intelligence and finding ways to interpret feedback. I mean, this 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 goes to feedback episodes. We're going to spiral here, but I I think. The, the most important thing when you get feedback that hurts is to let it hurt for that little bit of time because it's going to hurt no matter what. And then take a breath, do a lap, do whatever you need to do to kind of like reboot your mind and then go back and read it again and say, okay, how is this coming across? How did this happen? Where, 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 am, I, where am I creating this for somebody? And it's, there's a good chance it's probably isolated, right? Like someone you don't click with or you know, very individual like interaction thing as opposed to a global thing, unless you're getting it from all directions, in which case that's a whole different story. But realizing that that may just be a single interaction and how can I better communicate that in the future? As a, as a learner with going, you know, med student going into rotations, if you get that feedback in one rotation, it doesn't mean that's what's going to be the case for the next rotation because you may have different personalities that you're interacting with and you can also learn from that one and move on. I, I, I think it's, it's definitely one that you have to take it as a way to improve and not an insult. Yeah, I, I like that. And I'm going to twist and take a little bit of a different tack on it, which is the, the thing that you brought up, Tanner, which is it's oftentimes it's, it's a single person and, and maybe it's not, maybe it's a, maybe it's a person or two and their, their global perception, or maybe it's related to a single incident. It gets easier as you learn to take feedback less personally. 
and recognize that when people are giving you feedback, they're simply telling you what they see and their interpretation of it. And that may or may not be reality. That's the beauty of feedback is you get to then have the chance to either fix that behavior or just accept that that's the way it looks sometime and be okay with it, which is, which is acceptable in a lot of cases. What I will say is the learning point that I would try and give to medical students about this is you can see that, and you remember that. I remember a specific piece of feedback I got. I bet if we asked Tanner, he'll remember a specific piece of feedback he got. Those pieces of feedback were wrapped in layers and layers of nothing but positive comments. But those are the things that people tend to hang on to. So when you do that, it's not great, but it's also natural to do that. But what I will tell med- medical students is this is a great reminder of why not to use anonymous feedback surveys as the way to deliver your stab. If you have something to say that is so important and someone has really irritated you so much with something they said or did, you have to be able to talk to that person. You have to be able to say it to their face. And the reason I say that is because guess what happens when you're attending and you have some very direct news you have to give a patient that they don't want to hear. It's a skill and you need to develop it. Wait, I, I always just fill out the anonymous survey that gets handed to the patient. <laughs> no, it works the other way. Oh, that's yeah, right. That's it works right. the other that's way. Right. They get to stab you. You don't get to stab them. I think it's somewhere in the medical code. Anyway, but but please don't use that as the place. You can You can say that in general this person is or this rotation was or whatever, and you can give very critical feedback, but critical feedback doesn't have to be mean. And if you really have something to tell that person, a lot of times you really, I think when you're writing it, you, you, you're just trying to get out your frustration, but that other person doesn't have the context. And so sometimes you give that feedback and you think, ha I finally got them. And they do the completely wrong thing with that feedback. They may become unconfident or they may not give you feedback or they may, they may not interact with you directly. They may start indirectly. And the good thing was, I'm remembering that feedback for you, Drew, you, you took that feedback and used it to become an even better teacher and an even better peer. And it's not always something that easy, that's easy to do. So kudos for that. But please don't use anonymous feedback as the opportunity to. And it's not if you, if you can't say nothing nice, don't say it at all. It's if you can't say something constructive, don't say it at all when you're giving that, that feedback. But we'll, we'll save feedback for another session in this process. Yeah, I think we covered a lot of really good stuff, more than I even thought we would. But if you, a two-parter, so two for the price of one. But if there's one piece of advice that you guys would take away from this conversation, what would it be for learners? I mean, the, what I heard a lot of was communication. And the difference between cocky and confident is going to be how well you communicate, how open you are to communicating, how interactive you are with people, and using the feedback that you get from them. Have some own individualized things that you're working on before you enter any rotation. If you expect the rotation to have goals and objectives, you should have goals and objectives. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I'll be humble but hungry to learn. Right? And no matter how many times you think you've heard something, be willing to hear it and know that you're probably going to learn something regardless of whether you think you're the master or not. Because I will tell you in medicine, you're never the master of anything. So be humble but hungry. I love that. And I, that definitely applies to residency too. So I think that's good advice for all learners and probably even attendings too. 
So, well, I'd like to thank you guys for an awesome conversation. And like Drew said, this is just the tip of the iceberg. So we'll be back with more. Well, thanks for making it all the way to the end of that Med Student Over Easy episode. Don't forget, you can follow us on social media, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or head on over to our blog, emovereasy.com. Also, don't forget, we are the official podcast for the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians. You can learn more about this great organization by heading to acoep.org, where you can find about an upcoming CME event where you might get to see a few of your EM Over Easy hosts live and in person for a show. Until next time, thanks so much. Thank you.